deaf ear. Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 175. That's a milestone, huh? June 12, 2019. Uh, third day in a row for 1956. It was 95 degrees on this day in 1956, pre aquaside 39 degrees on this day in 1877. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic. With Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the Newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop, here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. I think we're getting somewhere. I think, we, I think we've hit a groove lately and beginning to understand more clearly how enslaved we are by the salon. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get to that in a moment, but I want to clear some other things off the table first. Certainly. Uh, Chief Offsite Correspondent Kelsey notes that there is a uh, contest to name a new zebra born at Como. Oh, okay. He wants to name it Calhoun. All right. That, that, will, that would be incredible if that happened. That's funny. Well, you know perfectly well if you could get 10,000 people to write in Calhoun, they'd ignore it. Of course right, they would. Right. Yeah, of course they would. Uh, frequent contributor Downing uh, notes on the irony of black having been power washed because of its connotations of dirty, evil, or bad. Using the word that way is now considered to be offensive to black people. Yet those uses of black were in existence for centuries. The use of black to refer to people is a recent phenomenon. Its use was advocated by racial rights activists who told us it was preferable to other words they considered offensive, such as Negro or colored. But it seems to me that decades ago when activists asked us to call people black, they actually did understand that black had negative connotations. They wanted to change that, hence the coining of the slogan, black is beautiful. But our current activists, rather than build up the perception of black people, would rather power wash pre-existing uses of the word. Once again, activists are asking us to solve a problem of their own creation they truly cannot link. Wow. That is... Who who said that? That's David Downing. David, very spot on. Spot on. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Thank you. Uh, Is this an example of man... People, humans, persons, losing sight of nature, losing relationship with nature. Authorities say they rescued a family of four from Minneapolis that got stranded while canoeing in Lake Superior along Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore in northern Michigan. The Alger County Sheriff's Office says a tour boat operator reported several people were stranded along the Upper Peninsula Lakeshore about 9 p.m. Tuesday and rescue boats were sent. Two adults were canoeing with two young children along the shore when they were overtaken by winds and waves. They ended up swimming about 150 yards to shore to reach a beach where they were spotted by passengers and the captain of the tour boat. They were rescued and taken to a hospital for evaluation. Names were not immediately released. Sheriff's deputies, uh, sheriff's officials are urging people to use extreme caution when venturing out on Lake Superior. Is that an example? Or, Or are these extremely experienced canoeists? Do uh, you canoe on the Great Lakes? Or, I would not. I would or not. kayak? I know. I, I that depends wouldn't. which shore. It depends which shore and which way the wind's blowing. But a kayak would be a little more forgiving. A canoe, hell no. How, how old were the kids? Doesn't say. Reporting isn't what he used yeah, to Yeah, I don't think I'd do that with my kids. Nah, I don't think I so. I think it's losing touch. Uncle Joe Biden <laughs> says if he's elected president, 
He promises he'll cure cancer. What a boy. He's going to cure cancer. It's about time. How? Well, he's going to do it. He's just going to do it. He doesn't. Well, he doesn't. Why? Well, why wait a minute. Wait a minute, Uncle Joe. Break him up. Wait a minute, Uncle Joe. Where did he say he's going to cure cancer? Uh, he was in Otum. Otum. Otumwa. Otumwa. Is that where Radar was from? Otumwa, Iowa, in the in Mash. Might have been. Otumwa, Iowa. So in Otumwa, Iowa, Uncle Joe says, "I'm curing cancer when I get in there." <laughs> then, by the time he got to Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> By the time he got to Columbus, Ohio, his number one legislative priority was LGBTQ rights. Ah. So which is it, Joe? Wow. I don't know. Which is first? Which is more important? Which is easiest? <laughs> Curing cancer. Did you um, see that the state of Wisconsin, beneath the American flag and the state flag of Wisconsin, is flying the uh, pride flag? Oh, okay. It's pride month. Um, it's pride month. Sure. He probably has a better chance of... Of uh, curing cancer than he does curing global warming, doesn't he? Yeah, because there is no, there's nothing to cure. <laughs> you throw enough warming. money at it, you'll stop the no, storms there's, there's anyway. Get ahead of it. Oh, I want to uh, respond to a young listener named, because uh, I think he has a great point, a young listener named Zachary Shear. And uh, do you recall when we were having a pushback discussion and uh, basically uh, it might have been Kenny or maybe Rookie both, but you said you would advise, oh, and, and Reaver said you would advise kids not to push back in school? Yeah. This kid's a pushbacker. He's young. He said, you people are crazy. We better push back. How's it going for him? He's fine. He's good. Okay. He wrote a really long email, but the printer was starting to fail. Me, yeah, let's, I get can't you, read the, let's get you some toner. Let's. Uh, I need some toner, don't we I? We got some toner. My <laughs> name is Zach Shear. I'm a 21 years old. I grew up in Hopkins. I wish I could claim to be a lifelong garage logician like so many. However, I was only introduced to your podcast a month ago by my dad. He, on the other hand, has been a fan since the mid-90s. Only a few weeks ago, he was in the car with my grandma listening to your podcast. When she heard your voice, her reaction was, is he still on the air? Oh, Granny! <laughs> she would listen during her daily commute. For perspective, she turns 90 this July. This nice. long introduction is meant to convey one thing. I may be new to the town of Garage Logic, but pushing back has been in my family for generations. And then he refers to the June 4th podcast when... Uh, he was picking up the vibe that you uh, knuckleheads would have would advise your children not to push back. I think it was Reavers and Kenny. Your kids push back. Push back, yeah. yeah. And his, this is a With young respect, guy saying, our only hope is for people my age to, to have pushed yeah. back. Joe, my phrase since my kid was born has, has always been, as a parent, I have no idea what I'm doing. There's no playbook. I'm just winging it, man. Yeah. I'm just uh, trying my best and yeah. hoping things turn out. Well, so far, so good. That did solve a mystery for me, though. Somebody left me this story about the master tapes of a lot of recordings bringing a fire. Me. And half of it's missing. I, so I, I left that for you. I know. And it's, <laughs> good the, luck the, reading the, the printer. Yeah. Well, that, I have the story anyway. So New Holcomb cartoon posted today. It's yeah. called The Doorbell. New, well, millennials, millennials are afraid of doorbells. Very first character. And then uh, uh, Author's Corner with some new material. Yes. Uh, Robert Ferrigno? Ferrigno. Correct. There's three assassin books he wrote, and they are devastatingly plausible about the uh, Islamic takeover of the United States at a fight between Christianity and not Christianity. And this was a series he started in 2006? Mm -hmm. Wow. You know what I really love, though? When I don't say it, 
but everybody else around you was thinking it. Yeah, we all, I, I held all, back. We all looked at I each other. Back, yes. What? Nope. I, no, no, don't. Nope, just, nope. just move leave on. Leave well enough alone. And be thankful. Robert Ferrigno and his books. None of leave us Leave well enough it. alone. Thank you. You were going to bring up Lou Ferrigno. No. See, <laughs> see, 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 you blew it. it. You blew it. I did. <laughs> Who's at the door? Come on in. I'm afraid. I don't know where to go with stuff like this. Kirsten Gillibrand, she's one of the 472 uh, Marxists running for president. <laughs> she uh, she says being pro-life is uh, is being racist. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. okay. Oh, Not what I was taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I can't read it. <laughs> oh, I yeah, can't. there's nowhere to go with that. Uh, you're wrong. Oh. Boom. I. Who was the one who said pro-life is immoral? Did she That's define, Gillibrand. Yeah. yeah, at least define. Did she define what she was? Well, I think there's some issues that have such moral clarity that we have as a society decided that the other side is not acceptable. Imagine saying that it's okay to appoint a judge who's racist or anti-Semitic or homophobic. Asking someone to appoint someone who takes away basic human rights of any group of people in America. I don't think that those are political issues anymore. And we believe in this country where the ink just faded to beat hell on my thing that uh, <laughs> and so uh, make it up. she said that she would apply a, uh, a litmus test she you know she thinks uh, pro-life is uh, racism sure, mm-hmm. sure. Makes sense. Well, she doesn't have stupid. a chance yeah. of uh, winning and, and right. Gillibrand I did I bother to sh- cut that crap out from her uh, might have ran out of toner she believes uh, pro-life is uh Immoral. Imagine that. These people can't link, and the hypocrisy is so extraordinary because, once again, these are the same people that are advocating for all these children milling about over the border. These are the same people that say, we must take control of your life for the sake of the children in the future. We must cure this hysterical BS we've made up. And they can't expand abortion rights quick enough, and that's all I'm going to say because abortion talk does not work on my podcast. Nope. Gun talk and abortion talk. They're, they're tough to do. Flag burning. To and I told you, I was going to get us back into understanding a little more how we're so enslaved by the uh, the salon. Some uh, John Stewart, is it? John Stewart? Yeah. No, not yet, Chris. Oh, but oh. I want to play some uh, audio I, of his. I was ready. I'm not ready for it yet. Got it. Uh, you know what I'm ready for? A nice bike ride. I want to get a bike ride on that. Intelli e-bike from Eco. Well, let's arrange. Get out there. And let's get arrange. I'm looking our, at Saturday. Our, I'm looking at Saturday. No, that's, I have an opening Saturday when I can get up there. EcoFun Motorsports in downtown Forest Lake. Uh, the Bentelli e-bikes are uh, fabulous. They have five different levels of assist. They have a 20-mile range, but I, as I understand it, the more you put work into it, the longer you extend that range. And they've got off-road ones right. and urban ones, and they also have affordable scooters, mopeds, youth ATVs, youth snowmobiles, side-by-sides, and those fabulous Bintelli e-bikes. Also, uh, Tim's got a great deal on a brand-new 2018 Yamaha Star Venture Transcontinental Edition. This is the top-of-the-line motorcycle for long-distance touring. This came out at, at $26,999, and they, at EcoFun right now, it's marked down to their cost of $21,999. This is the Cadillac of bikes. 
Actually, no, it isn't. It's more like the Ferrari of bikes. Everything you could ever want, an air-cooled, an overhead valve, V-twin, 8-valve, full GPS, four-speaker surround, heated seats, electric parking assist, power tilt, windshield, as I say. Just tell them it's fun. If you're going to take off and head to Texas or uh, visit the Rockies or head out to California on the West Coast, that's the bike you want to be on. That's the bike you want to be But on. back to the Bentellis. Mm-hmm. Imagine this. You're going for a nice, long bike ride, and yep. you kind of tucker out at the halfway point. You're going home. Yep. You don't have to pedal anymore. No. You put that baby on one, two, three, and you're just sliding. Mm-hmm. You don't have zero effort. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm carving out a space Saturday. I still think we should get uh, five of them, and we should gather at the falls and ride over to... Uh, what what used to be called Lake Calhoun? The five of us. You ready to buy five? No. Uh, well, will <laughs> One he, for all. Will of he us? borrow borrow some for a day? The, the word is lend. Lend. Yeah. Lend. <laughs> As I've learned. <laughs> Can I lease one from him? <laughs> well, well, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. I'll talk. I to think him. it would be fun. All right. Before oh, yeah. we get into the uh, a deeper understanding of how wrong the salon is and how captured we are becoming by it. Uh, I don't know much about John Stewart because I don't watch the Daily Show. I'm not really into those types of shows. I think he he was he was funny early on, but then he became violently left, and it, it was it was overkill. I understand because of Trump. Uh, no, no, even, no, even long, prior to well, that. just to, was, in other words, he in, yeah. in other words, yeah. he's very mindful of his membership in the mob. Yes, you know. So in other words, the mob's not going to go after him. Well, but then he showed me something. I agree. Yeah. He he apparently has as a personal interest or cause a, a deep uh, connection with uh, surviving uh, firefighters and policemen who responded to the attacks on the buildings in New York September 1101. And he's constantly been uh, prodding and hectoring and campaigning to uh, for Congress to loosen the purse, purse strings and help these people with their health issues, mm-hmm. which are undeniable. Uh, correct. And, and so, again, I'm tipping my hat to the guy because all I heard yesterday, speaking be- before uh, Congress, was GL language. Mm-hmm. Why don't you play it? The breathing problem started almost immediately, and they were told they weren't sick, they were crazy. And then, as the illnesses got worse, and things became more apparent, well, okay, you're sick, but it's not from the pile. And then when the science became irrefutable, okay, it's the pile. But this is a New York issue. I don't know if we have the money. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry, and you should be too, and they're all angry as well. And they have every justification to be that way. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11, never forget their bravery, never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. What he's referring to, apparently, was the initial reaction of the political class. They're not an empty chair on the stage praising them. But the, what, we, what you will soon hear is how many empty chairs there were in this congressional testimony. And where are they? 
And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity, time. It's the one thing they're running out of. This should be flipped. This hearing should be flipped. These men and women should be up on that stage, and Congress should be down here answering their questions as to why this is so damn hard and takes so damn long. And why, no matter what they get, something's always pulled back, and they got to come back. Mr. Johnson, you, you, you made a point earlier, and it was one that we have heard over and over again in these halls, and I, I, I couldn't help but to answer to it, which was, you said, look, you know, you guys are obviously heroes, and 9-11 was a big deal, but, you know, we have a lot of stuff here to do. And, uh, you know, we've got to make sure there's money for a variety of uh, uh, disasters, hurricanes and tornadoes. But this wasn't a hurricane. And this wasn't a tornado. And by the way, that's your job anyway. We can't fund these programs. You can. Setting aside that no American in this country should face financial ruin because of uh, a health issue. Certainly 9-11 first responders shouldn't have to decide whether to live or to have a place to live. And the idea that you can only give them five more years of the VCF because you're not quite sure what's going to happen five years from now, well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen five years from now. More of these men and women are going to get sick and they are going to die. And I am awfully tired of hearing that it's a 9-11 New York issue. Al-Qaeda didn't shout death to Tribeca. They attacked America and these men and women and their response to it is what brought our country back. It's what gave a reeling nation a solid foundation to stand back upon, to remind us of why this country is great, of why this country is worth fighting for. And you are ignoring them. And you can end it tomorrow. Why this bill isn't unanimous consent and a standalone issue is beyond my comprehension. And I have yet to hear a reasonable explanation for why. It'll get stuck in some transportation bill or some appropriations bill and get sent over to the Senate where a certain someone from the Senate will use it as a political football to get themselves maybe another new import tax on petroleum, because that's what happened to us in 2015. And we won't allow it to happen again. Thank God for people like John Feel. Thank God for people like Ray Pfeiffer. Thank God for all of these people who will not let it happen. They responded in five seconds. They did their jobs. With courage, grace, tenacity, humility. 18 years later, do yours. Thank you.
He was speaking to the uh, he was speaking to the House Judiciary Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Civil Liberties, trying to reauthorize the Victims' Compensation Fund for additional time, and he's not getting anywhere. But what I really liked about that is, first of all, he has the clout to get a hearing. Yeah. Yeah. And two. He just called them what they are. They're shameless hypocrites on both sides of the aisle. Yep. Just shameless hypocrites. 100%. And uh, yeah, I, I tip any... my cap to the guy. Did, I, he didn't mention Republicans or Democrats. He, he just didn't said, have to. He, you're he all. sort of you're did. All. He sort of did with a bit about who stopped it in 2015. It was Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, Mitch. <laughs> well, you know, I, I applaud what Stewart did. Uh, he, he used to, what, devote his show to some of this back in the... Back in the but day. that's the definition of pushing back right there. He, he just, he pushed back. And that was, I didn't hear anything except GL language. Yep, I didn't hear yep. a raving lefty or a raving righty. Yep. I heard a really reasonable guy calling out the political class for the shameless behavior that they exhibit on a daily basis. You know what he is? He's a guy. He's a guy. He's a guy. Let's yep. take a break. Next stop, the 1950s. The Minnesota Street Rod Association's Back to the 50s Weekend. The biggest car show in the country. Rods, customs, collector cars at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds. Presented by Napa Auto Parts. It's all happening June 21st through the 23rd. Buy your dream car at the Twin Cities Classic Car Auction on Saturday. Meet Dave Kending from Bitchin' Rides and see the Rydale Parts display. Discount tickets at Napa Auto Parts. Visit MSRA.com for details. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Zuzue. Marshall did the work that did not occur to any of you to do. (laughs) But that's why I love GLers. That's why I love Marshall today. That's right, because he let you off the hook again. Here we go, Marshall. (laughs) Sheriff. Uh, He listened to our uh, discussion of the chief resilient resiliency officer that yeah. said he said we got to some we did do a little work ourselves and we got to the bottom of the the uh, discovery that that's a rockefeller foundation creation and you uh, cities around the world applied and they uh, they were granted money with which they were to pay their chief resiliency officers but that money now uh, john height uh, discovered that money is ending in july which leaves the saint paul taxpayers and the minneapolis taxpayers and whichever city has one of these made-up positions on their staffs, and then the taxpayers will be paying for it. Right. And this is where I handed the baton to Marshall. Boy, you got a lot of conehonies. <laughs> Joe, after your review of the Chief Resiliency City Office, I did a little searching to see what it is that they want to do and what is the purpose of the office. It didn't take too long to find the uh, all the uh, click crap that has inundated all the offices of all the cities with tall buildings with heavily staffed salon. Please note that you can apply these same so-called principles to the other 15 specific offices in St. Paul by simply changing a few of the key words around. Chief Innovation Office, Chief Equity Office, and the list of offices goes on. But as you read through these principles, think about each office, how they would all follow these principles. Here are the 11 principles of resilient urban design. Under the 11 resilient urban design principles, resilient cities and neighborhoods will... One, embrace density, diversity, and mix of uses, users, building types, and public spaces. Two, prioritize walking as the preferred mode of travel and as a defining component of a healthy quality of life. Three, develop in a way that is transit supportive. 
Four, focus energy and resources on conserving, enhancing, and creating strong, vibrant places which are significant component of the neighborhood's structure and of the community's identity. Five, provide the needs of daily, daily living within walking distance. Hmm? Provide the needs of daily living within walking distance. Okay, so you need a market, you need a okay, hardware store. And then store. they will determine what that market should okay. carry. got it. Conserve and enhance the health of natural systems, including climate and areas of environmental significance, and manage the impacts of climate change. There aren't any. Am I being reactionary, or uh, do these sound like communism to you? Well, you're on the right track, old hey, Kenny. Hey, hey, That's where you think this crap comes from. I mean, I, I, I was in disagreement from the very first item, and it just it's getting worse. Number seven, enhance the effectiveness, efficiency, and safety of their technical and industrial systems and processes, including their manufacturing, transportation, communications, and construction infrastructure and the systems to increase their energy efficiency and reduce their environmental footprint. Number eight, will grow and produce the resources they need near uh, within a 200-kilometer radius. Number nine, will require the active participation of community members at all scales in the development plans. Number 10, plan and design for redundancy and durability of their life, safety, and critical infrastructure systems. Planning and design of these systems will aim for levels of redundancy and durability that are commensurate with the increasing environmental, social, and economic stresses associated with the impacts of climate change and peak oil. What the hell? Number 11, develop building types and urban forms with reduced service costs and reduced environmental uh, footprints. Joe, what I want you and your listeners to think about now is this. What is the real purpose of this office and the other offices in Melvin's empire? For some reason, this reminds me of the doctor with the naughty hand. Never mind what the naughty hat is doing. Pay attention to the other hand. Did you hear that? <laughs> wow. Was that me? That was you, wasn't it? It's a Roycey-like audible gas attack. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to what the nice hand was doing, not the naughty hand? Yes. This is uh, astonishing, isn't it? Unbelievable. You just plug in, as this fellow says, plug in whatever program they're up to, and this is what they're up to. They don't take it into account real human beings. No. And you know what else they Families. Do? You know what else children. is occurring to me? Uh, invariably, they've had no experience outside of public life. None. So they really don't know what they're doing. So they make up this stuff that makes it sound like they're very important. Right. Even though it doesn't, it's how it's, it's all meaningless. Hollow, it's all right? meaningless. It's all meaningless. I, I mean, take just make up a family of uh, a mom and a dad and five kids living ten blocks away from the nearest grocery store. Okay, public trans public transit to go get groceries alone is a disaster. Number one, and number two, if you're buying for seven people. You can't afford the local grocery store. You need to go to Big Target or you need to go right. to Walmart or uh, um, I- any one of these giant discount but the true believers to save money because you drop two to $300 on food every two weeks. See, but the true believers, I, I'm convinced, do not have a nuclear family in mind. Exactly. They, they don't have They're mod- not planning for normal Americans. No, this is, this, is, uh, this is a Marxist utopia. Absolutely. And it's happening all over this country. And they're painting it as a utopia, and we all know Marxism is a failure. What are they admitting here? Well, they're admitting that they intend to create extraordinary density, 
because they they would think that private home ownership and a yard mm-hmm. is uh, an example of some sort of patriarchal you know privilege. How awful density is. The cops come four times a day. They're emph- it's they're, awful. They're also signaling that uh, your your automobile days are numbered. Walking is the preferred mode of uh, transportation. Uh, so you have to walk. So you need to go paint. You're gonna you're gonna paint your room. You need three cans of paint. You need all those supplies, and you're just gonna walk it. They uh, they're also <laughs> intending they're also intending that uh, whatever you need should be able to be uh, gotten by walking there. So th- th- <laughs> what this is that this is an example of central planning, and this is an example of a complete ignorance of how the free market operates. Yeah. We already interviewed our fellow Rook, what was his name, from North Minneapolis, who had to throw out the fruit every week that cost him money to buy because yes. his customers weren't interested. Like his name escapes me. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll grow and produce the resources they need, and we'll require the active participation of community members. You will do this, yeah. whether you want to or not, you fools who got yeah. us into office. So I, I don't think there's any hyperbole in my claim that we are enslaved by the salon. Not at all. No. And that still, I'm going to explore this on the Garage Logic Service Road of Life. Why are we accepting this? What game are we playing? Well, Your answer, Kenny, was, well, because either mom or dad gets up and goes off to work for nine hours and then has to take the kid to T-ball and then they got to cook yeah. dinner. And yep. yeah. Yes, you in the back. Circle back to the, the Parkway story from yesterday. Mm-hmm. If you go to the online version, I don't know if it was in print as well, but if you go to the online version of that story in the Star Tribune, the photo accompanying that, that story was a mom on her bike mm-hmm. with the three kids in the back with the bag of groceries. <laughs> That's who, not the, nobody who, lives. Nobody like that. lives like that. <laughs> Maybe two or three people. Get get out of here. <sighs> you do that if the store's a block away. Sure, two blocks away. I but I'm know. not driving on a street with my three kids and my Hell bicycle to the no. I don't know to how I can no, link no, this no. to the enslavement of all of us by the salon, but uh, incredibly, uh, the Star Tribune has <laughs> as its play story on its local section. The headline, Minneapolis Sizes Up Sidewalk Shoveling. And it's a, it's a really long story that has taken something as natural and as simple as shoveling your sidewalk and turning it into this convoluted bureaucratic involvement <laughs> yeah. involving inspectors and fines and community activists and something called an activist group called or, or walkability activists. Uh, Ashwat Narayanan, executive director of Our Streets Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, he's involved, and the city council's involved, and the public works department is involved. You know, there was a time, this used to be a pretty damn good country. <laughs> if it snowed, what'd you do? It went out and shoveled your sidewalk. Boom. They, they had inspectors out last year mm-hmm. in a kind of a pilot program. They picked out an area and they had uh, inspectors out, and they would fine. And basically, this phony Lisa Bender got fined. That's yeah. right. But he they, didn't shovel. They assessed property owners $169,000 last year for uh, removing snow. Some city employees and walkability activists say there's more to do. Staff raised concern about an app for 311 complaints sending violation notices to wrong addresses. Walkability advocates urge the city council to strengthen cleaning efforts. Nonprofits urge a longer list of removal services as organization reaches. Uh, where did that part go? 
reaches something. I don't know. Walkability advocates urge the city council to spend more on yeah. efforts to keep sidewalks clear. Oh, oh, if you're a walkability will. advocate, you really don't have much of an oar in the water. It, it's unlikely you're, uh, it's, you know, I walk every day, so don't, right. uh, you can't claim any virtue over me. But if you're a walkability advocate, you you really don't have a lot of cards in the deck here. I, I, I'm, I'm going to just venture to guess you're not paying a hell of a lot of money in property taxes. And if you don't own a car, more power to you. But if you don't own a car, that also tells me that not owning a car is about what you do for a living. Right. Yes. Yeah. I walk every day. Yes, I yes. do. Wow. Enslaved by the salon. Just shovel your bleep. Boom. Get some kids to go around and shovel. You don't even need a yeah. campaign. Just shovel. Common I, sense. I think in the long run, if, if this uh, podcast doesn't work, I'm going to become a walkability activist. Why not, huh? <laughs> Could you do that part-time and the podcast? Are you guys, wonder. are you hiring? <laughs> do, do I have to walk a lot? Because I, I like driving my truck. Walkability. Oh. <laughs> Here's what you do. I read I read the whole thing twice, Joe, right. and I still I'm just I'm befuddled. It's a way <laughs> to sustain and let leak into wider circles more and more bureaucracy. Yeah, and you know what? I did notice in the uh, in the article they're calling for more bureaucracy. They want to study this further. They're going to have a work group study. Now, I would imagine. Literally, the closer you get to the tallest buildings, mm -hmm. a bit of windmilling here in a moment, that you aren't dealing with families and you aren't dealing with moms who need to have a minivan to take the kids anywhere. You're dealing with millennials. You're dealing with uh, people who are marching in lockstep with what the salon's coming up with because that's become their life. They don't want a car uh, they don't want to mow a lawn. Uh, they're, they're probably not going to have kids. That's a generalization on my part. They don't want to shovel, or or at best, they want to make sure that you shovel right. because they're walkability activists. <laughs> so, but 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 these rules and the expansion of the salon embrace still. All the families living in the neighborhoods of the city that that aren't at the foot of the tallest buildings. They're over in uh, Mac Groveland, or they're in South Minneapolis, or in Longfellow, they're mm -hmm. in Powderhorn, and they have homes and cars, and they need they need to keep their lives active for the sake of their families. And but the salon, the salon's rules are only for people who love the salon members. Yeah. And, and we'll, oh, exactly. you are so great. That's such a great idea. Look at what you're doing for the city. Yes. It's just, oh, I read the other day, maybe yesterday, that uh, apparently the city council, because ruling from the salon, density we now know is, is part of the agenda. Mm -hmm. It's part of the template. They want to turn uh, a building into uh, short-term leases, almost like an Airbnb Next to a building where people own condos and apartments. Okay, those people who own the condos and apartments, they fled downtown to yeah. be to be uh, disciples of the salon, and right. and and we, they find urban living to their liking, mm -hmm. which is fine with me. And then all of a sudden, because <laughs> density is going to even be increased more next door to them, yeah. they got the hell windmilled out of them and had to march down to city hall and said no, no. essentially saying. <laughs> 
We Not were, in my backyard, right, right. even though they don't have a yard. Do it over there. Right. That's for the others. That's not for us. <laughs> but this will never be fixed until more qualified people run and win elections. And that's, and that's, gonna... that's my next field of study is why we're accepting of this. What game are we playing? I find it laughable that, there, that there's a chief resilience officer. <laughs> That cannot possibly affect my life. It could impact my life, yeah. but it could not positively affect my life. I find it laughable that there's a chief equity officer and a chief innovation officer. These are all untrained people with no knowledge of anything. It's all laughable. Making serious coin. Why are we, why? Why aren't we marching with pitchforks down to City Hall? I don't understand it. Because you got a thing. Oh, I'd join the march with a pitchfork. <laughs> my uh, wife does. I have to take my hat off for her. She goes to all these meetings. This this thing about the parkway, she's already decided she's going to go there. She's right. always raising okay. her hand and, and, and pushing back. You know, and we need, we need that's where it starts. Yeah, it you starts know. at those meetings at yeah. the where yeah. there's a crowded auditorium and because yeah. right now everybody's just nodding and, and saying boy Great she idea. she comes back from these meetings and it's just a she, one big eye roll she She's lathered saying, up in sweat well she just can't believe the stupidity of some of the people in charge it's just astounding I think a, I think another aspect another dynamic to the to the salon is that maybe there's a growing population of people. Who love being taken care of by the soul? Oh my God! They don't, don't have to do anything. They don't want to do anything. And you why? Got, you're, you got Wait. people afraid of the doorbell. And why? <laughs> because they've had mom and dad take care mm-hmm. of everything for them up until this point. Mm-hmm. Dear God. Mm-hmm. Wow. I have to admit, there was a period. There of is time. no God. I'm kidding. If there was. God's, God's got to be more amused by any of this than we are. <laughs> you just identified and perfectly defined my life in the 20s when I moved to Kenwood. I didn't want to mow. I didn't want to shovel. I didn't want to do your anything. Hair. Yeah, I didn't want to do anything, and you're right. And well, that's because you were stoned out of your mind. Young, it had nothing to do with political ideology. Young, <laughs> dumb, and liberal. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah, and then you wised up. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you want a great gift for Father's Day? Hey. You know, remember fathers? There's fathers and mothers yes. and children. Do they know that in the salon? I don't think so. I bet you Fry doesn't have any kids. Doesn't he have the high buck, high, the high buck earning wife who I'm has her own gig going? Out, I'm not. I'm sure there's no conflict of interest no. with anything that might come up in the Fry household. <laughs> I'm reasonably positive of that. You know, big time sports auctions will not only set up your auction for whatever charity or cause you're involved with, but you can go to their website and you can order stuff. You can order great Father's Day gifts. Great athletic portraits and well go and feast your eyes on the website what are you after what do you want oh yeah the bobby i want or. the bobby or right. horizontal flying picture. hockey theme you want hockey theme they but check out the website which is btsauctions.com that's btsauctions with an s.com and get great father's day gifts from this site i was talking to uh steve about this he and you call steve at uh, here i'm going to give you the number yep uh, 612-718-3629. Uh, he'll not only provide you uh, some help uh, picking out a Father's Day bit gift, but he'll customize a set of items for your event in case you're involved in a charitable event with school, service organization, mm-hmm. a charitable organization, golf courses, uh, Lions Club, you name it. They come in. 
customize a silent auction for you, lay out the bid sheets, pick everything up, clean everything up. They get a percentage, you get the rest, and you take credit for a great, great event. That's my kind of planning. Call uh, Steve at Big Time Auction, 612-718-3629. He'll customize everything you need. BTSauctions.com. Are you ready for a different point of view? Say, this is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. I'm here, as always, to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. But of course, you do have to give me a call at 952-925-5608. With much market volatility on the horizon, you're going to need some help. So give me a call at 952-925-5608. You always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice from me. Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. I'm here to help you personally set your portfolio to deal with this upcoming volatility. So make a point to give me a call for a no cost, no obligation, 48 minute review at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. The Earth is not your mother. The Joe Suchere Show. Do you know what I love about this GB Layton album? It's called Hope. It's got the sign of Hope, Minnesota. Nice. It's about three miles away from my parents' farm. Really? I love that sign. That's a nice hook. Yeah, it's a very nice hook. Here's happy John Hyde. Happy to play his music. John Hyde in the newsroom. Thank you, Joe. Minnesota Supreme Court Justice David Lillehog says he has Parkinson's disease, will not seek re-election next year. Lillehog said in a statement via the court that he expects to resign in July of 2020. Said he's loved his six years on the court. He had planned to stay on before he learned of his illness. He said the disease is at an early stage and he feels great at this point. Lillehog is a former U.S. attorney in Minnesota who was appointed by President Bill Clinton in 1994. He was appointed to the Minnesota High Court in 2013. Do we know how old he is? A 70, did, did it say? Because uh, uh, not, not my sure. understanding of Parkinson's is there's no reason he couldn't continue if he wants to. It doesn't affect your mental capacity. I mean, you might have some physical trauma uh, occasionally, but you could mm -hmm. you could still work if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, by the way, uh, Mayor Jacob Fry's ears must have been burning listening mm -hmm. to the last segment. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Eight minutes ago, he just tweeted out the following. Get whatever necessary sounder you're going to need ready here, Mr. Mayor. Okay. I can't overstate how excited I am for our Minneapolis Climate Action Fund. <laughs> Tackling oh. climate change and inequality go hand in hand. He is part of the uh, <laughs> um, and he was let me just finish really quick, Kenny. He was speaking at an engagement uh, highlighting climate action and racial equity as partnership with the Minneapolis Foundation to address How intersection of poverty and pollution. If you saps think if you saps in think that these climate change activists have anything to do with the environment, you are sadly misinformed. How do those two go together? Well, that's it's, because it doesn't have anything like, to do with the it's environment. It's like a Reese's. It's peanut no, butter and chocolate. No, it's peanut butter and sardines. It's, <laughs> it's, they, do not, right. it, they do not go together. That's right. Those are two separate meetings. Mm-hmm.
Oh, I love <laughs> I Inner Sandman. I know you do. <laughs> Jacob just put me to sleep. <laughs> uh, David Littlehog is 65 years well, old. Well, come on, way. David. Good luck to you. Keep working. You might as well just come in here and kick me right square in the crotch. <laughs> <laughs> Climate action and racial equity go hand in hand. Uh, they're just, there's, what? There's no, we joke about this off air, but there's just, there's no place politically for, for me. There, no, there's no, I'm with you, John. Both sides. I'm right driving, behind they're you. They're both driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. Both sides. That's because you're a GLer. It's going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's just a little toothpaste. Right. <laughs> just a little toothpaste. <laughs> I had no idea I was going to be this good today. See? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Former GOP Attorney General candidate Doug Wardlow faces a fine of about forty-six grand after exceeding the state spending limit in that heated race against Keith Ellison. Was it called a misstep? Uh, it was yes, actually. His campaign manager uh, said they they figured it out. Uh, they realized they were going to be over the limit in the final week of the race. Yeah, but did they actually use the word misstep? Uh, they used the word confusion. Uh-huh. Bill, Billy Grant, his former campaign manager, said there was some confusion about what counted as an expenditure. Because with Ilhan, it's just a misstep. Misstep. Confusion and misstep. This guy got slapped with about 45 grand worth of fines. Yeah. How bad did he lose? uh, Was it close? I don't don't remember. He didn't get shut out. Yeah. Yeah. A conciliation agreement signed by Wardlow and Campaign Finance and Public Disclosure Board Chairwoman Margaret Lepic uh, states he must pay back 10 grand within 30 days, and then the board will create a payment plan for him to refund the rest of the money. I wonder how long uh, Ilhan was given to pay her stuff back. Uh, Probably just forgiven. No, she paid something back. Okay. Yeah. Can I interject something? Uh, Certainly. Certainly. It's your podcast. What have I told you? I've told you that with each succeeding mayor, it's also become now city council person or legislator. Or chief resilient officer. With, With each new one, you could literally pine for the old one. Chris Coleman right now looks might as well be Winston Churchill. <laughs> Where I've been vote for many day. Was that it? No. Oh. I, 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 you know what? With the exception of Pat Harris, I think if Pat Harris would have been elected, even though he's somewhat lefty, yeah, he would have some common sense, and we missed out. Where on are my con sounders? Would you just get them ready? Yeah, they're ready. All right. Uh, Bill writes, I believe Ilhan Omar was the one who finally unseated Phyllis Khan after a reign of 167 years in her <laughs> district in the Minneapolis, in the Minnesota legislature. Uh, that is correct. Since the voters of that district managed to elevate Omar to the national stage, I don't even know who holds the seat now. Could there be anyone worse? That's a good point. Who is holding hmm. that, uh, who won that seat? <laughs> But did you ever think you would long to go back to the day that someone like Khan would be representing anyone? <laughs> Despite the fact that she was the whole bag of nuts, at least Phyllis had the grace to occasionally speak with you and the GL audience on air. That's true. Yep. Very that true. That is true. Khan yep. is insane, but relatively harmless. <laughs> I didn't say that, Phyllis. It's this guy. Right. I'll, let me edit. Khan uh, is... Uh, Goofy, but relatively <laughs> harmless compared right. to Omar, who's downright dangerous, especially now that she has garnered nationwide attention. I have little doubt that the voters of the district will continue to make unwise choices, but it's easier to have fun with Phyllis. Bring back Khan. Most Minnesotans agree. Isle of Khan, the land of no taxes, is the biggest surprise of the decade. <laughs> hey, can we play ball here? No. No football. No soccer. Do you hear me? Do you? Ah! 
Isle of Khan, land of no taxes. An exclusive club that's not for the children and not intended for the weak. Son, you're going to have to come down here. You're going to have to come down here. Call your legislator or get a cushy city job. And maybe the Isle of Khan is for you. We tried it once your way, Khan. Are you game for a rematch? <laughs> the Isle of Khan, just over the river and under the bridge. That stems from our, that stems from our discovery in many shows discussing it that geez mysteriously and conveniently enough most of the people who lived on uh, Nicollet Island on Nicollet Island uh, were very connected DFL insiders who were getting, really getting Gold sweetheart finger. property tax deals yeah. and but you know what god i miss her and she didn't want remember she didn't the uh, they didn't want the football stadium yeah, to she, be built she she didn't right. want the deal sell football stadium built and i i'm i'm proud that gl i think really pushed back on that one yes because yeah. yeah. they, they were in a brick road that was from 1956 yeah, or they, something they like they were dreaming up all kinds of bs <laughs> but you know and phyllis is over there raising chickens and she is goofier than a tick but she appeared on the show joe it was hippie she ground came zero for I'm, a while isn't that a great point it's proving my point with each succeeding newly elected official in certain conditions, you are going to miss the previous one. And, and each time we say it couldn't get any worse, and it does. Yep. Look up who replaced Ilhan Omar in the Minnesota State Legislature. John? With three weeks to go, exactly what's going to happen in Washington, D.C. on the 4th of July remains a, a bit confusing because of President Trump's plans to reshape the nation's premier celebration. Will Independence Day festivities be centered around the Washington Monument or shift to the Lincoln Memorial, as the White House apparently has requested? Will Trump follow through on his plans to give a speech? And if he does, will the speech be open to anyone, including protesters, or will the White House restrict his audience to supporters at what is normally a non-political event? The White House isn't revealing any plans, and the National Park Service, which is primarily responsible for the event, has gone silent. That leaves the city government, which helps with security in the dark, Eleanor Holmes Norton, the District of Columbia's representative in Congress, said interdepartmental planning meetings for July 4th usually began in March. So far, none of those have happened. Huh. Independence Day normally draws tens of thousands of people to the National Mall for a celebration capped by a great fireworks display. Major security hall was implemented following September 11th attacks, but the occasion has run smoothly for years without any political implications in the proceedings. Did you get it, Matthew? Yes, Matthew. Mohammed Noor, N-O-O-R. That's right. That's right. All right. How would you handle this? A uh, scare at the Willis Tower in Chicago when the sky deck cracked oh, under visitors' oh, God. feet. Oh, oh, see look at, look at, oh, everybody oh, goes back about two feet to get closer. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. A video. You know what that reminds me of, Rook? Remember when we sprang the video on Joe, the uh, the bridge walkway oh, in Singapore? Broke, yeah. where it, <laughs> it looks like a break. It's, it's made to look, and people cling to the sides. It's yeah. a joke, but people cling yeah. to the sides. Oh, the oh my God. <laughs> A video was shot on the 103rd floor Monday oh, night. Oh, mother of God, help me. After the ledge's protective top layer splintered into thousands of pieces. Oh, I would have thought somebody just rang a doorbell. What's the big one in Chicago? <laughs> Sears Tower? Uh, that's Willis. been renamed, isn't it? Willis, Willis Tower. Willis Tower. Yeah. Is, is, so, is that this it's one? The, yeah, 103rd floor. When I, the tallest, Such, when I went isn't up there. Isn't John Hancock taller? I don't know. When I went up there, I didn't get within five feet of the window. I, oh. I, I, nope. I didn't go to the window. I told you my here. story. On one of my visits to see the kids I used to have, they said, talk me into, let's pop for the tickets. Let's go to the top of the 
whatever the tall is, I think is John Hancock. And that it's not cheap to do that. No. And it was a foggy day. I tried to say, <laughs> this is going to make no sense. It's like looking out of a jar of pickle brine. <laughs> Up we go, though. It was all I could do to crawl in the middle of the floor and oh. not, not even get near a is window. Is that why your family insisted you go? Yeah, probably. Just so they could <laughs> torture, torture you? you. I think the Willis Tower is the old Sears Tower. And yeah, I think I that John so. Hancock is the one that, that we went up to. And uh, Hancock is 100 stories. Well, I don't know. Whatever. Oh, oh my God. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, God, help me. Get that photo oh, off there. Geez. Oh, my God. No. Are they insane? Well, that's that's where the protective layer broke. That's the. Uh, I can't oh, look at that, rookie. Broke. I'm serious. Get it off there. Oh. The Willis Tower said no one was ever in danger because the protective layer did what it was supposed to do. <laughs> There's a photo of the glass. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, you got to watch this. I got to. <laughs> This is on YouTube. Uh, oh, oh, Google, I mean, my stomach uh, is crack. on cracking. We're going to see it crack. How come I love flying but can't stand that height? Well, I don't, I don't know. get the difference. <laughs> oh, All right, you can go to YouTube and see uh, the Willis Tower crack. Get it off nope, there. Nope, I'm out. Get oh, it off crap. the screen. Oh, oh, oh God, nice. help me. Hey, you're next. Have you ever been in Grant Park at night? Mm -hmm. It's just the most phenomenal park I've ever been in mm -hmm. with all of the city surrounding you and mm -hmm. the lake behind you. Martin Scorsese's film about Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder review of the 70s hits Netflix today. Getting positive reviews, features interviews with many of the folks who traveled with Dylan during the review, including some folks he managed to get before we lost them, like Sam Shepard, Hurricane Carter, and others. Uh, here is the official description. Setting out across a 1975 America exhausted politically, economically, and socially, a busload of musicians assembled by Bob Dylan hits the road in search of new creative horizons. The resulting tour of the Rolling Thunder Review would reveal a Dylan rarely seen, playful, mask-wearing, intense, expansive, rejuvenated, masterfully capturing both an icon and a nation in transition. Director Martin Scorsese tells the tale using footage that was abandoned for decades and now is gorgeously Restored. And you guys, did you two, did you go to this or see the show? I never saw that. Why, why are you against it? What icon, he used the word icon. Oh. I used the word icon, oh. yes. I, uh, do I need to see this, do you think? Well, I would see it in a minute. That was, is, it was huge in the 70s. This is the first a, time learning of it. Yeah. I, I really? have no idea. I oh, remember the a, Rolling Thunder Review. For all I know, it didn't even come through here. It was I a, don't know. A cult. It was when Rolling Stone was huge. On yeah. the, uh, they listen featured these, it Listen to these names, guys. Roger McGuinn, yep. uh, mm -hmm. Ramblin' Jack Elliott, Baez, my favorite singer, Joni Mitchell, Thank uh, you. Ginsburg, <laughs> and, and a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say to people besides what you say in your songs? Good luck. Good, uh, you don't say that in your songs, though. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> Every song tails off with good luck. <laughs> I hope you make it. Listen to those obsequious sycophants laughing at their... 40-some <laughs> years later, Dylan reflects on what Rolling Thunder was about or not. He has no idea. He says, I have no, no, idea. no idea. I don't have a clue. I forgot. It was You've seen the video of him doing uh, Tangle Up in Blue in the white face, right? Yeah. yeah. That's from Rolling Thunder Review. That was, I don't uh, think I have. Oh, really? I'm sure okay. you have. I, it's been everywhere. I mean, that's it's kind of the piece of film they show 
you know, where they talk about. So Bob I Dylan. take it that huh. Scorsese was able to acquire whatever film was taken. Yes, of this thing. and he has because he wasn't there following him around. No, but he has film from uh, some of the uh, essentials who were there who taking their own film. Plus, there's a bunch of film that had never been looked at that he got his hands on, and then he interviewed everybody. Like I said, even Sam Shepard before Sam Shepard passed away, right. uh, Hurricane Carter before, because that was right. It was '75. Desire, right. the album with Hurricane, came out in early '76. So mm-hmm. Dylan was doing all those songs. Uh, and and a bunch of other stuff. So, but he, they should be pretty cool. He booked venues, right? And it was a tour. Uh, not with... all. No, no. They would show up, uh, and they were on a bus, literally, and, and they'd show up. And I don't know. Sounds were... like almost a Ken Kesey type. Deal. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, there were booked concerts too. But they would show up in places that people would not expect. Is this them. before or after? I seem to remember hearing and seeing a movie about a train that a bunch of hippie musicians was, took across Canada. That was after. That was about 71 or 2, the one you're talking okay. about. The one with Jerry we, Garcia and Yeah, and that's a, a fascinating movie. It, uh, was Neil Young on the train? I don't think, no, he wasn't, was he? Not I remember Janice being on it. He Canadian. And Garcia, because all I remember is them flirting with each, with each other through the entire film, hmm. so... Janis Joplin and, and, and uh, Jerry Garcia flirting. Yeah. Oh yeah, there was, there was probably more Jerry than flirting. Jerry liked the big girls, didn't he? Because he was, had, his mountain girl was his woman. Yeah, remember but her? Janis wasn't big. Oh, she was. Uh, no, she no, was. Oh, God, she was. I huh? thought she was plump. I wish. She was. <laughs> I wish he as well in that conversation. I could have topped right. that line. What was the name of it again, John? Uh, Rolling Thunder Rolling, Review. Got it. Yeah, okay. it's on Netflix starting today. So cool. You can, uh, tune it in. Uh, one other music note: uh, Nirvana, Tom Petty, and the Heartbreakers, Aretha Franklin, and hundreds of other music luminaries' master tapes were apparently destroyed. Oh. During a fire yeah. at Universal Studios in 2008, according to the New York Times oh, magazine. This was kept secret, wasn't it, John? It was. The apparent loss spans the scope of decades of recordings, including material from Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, Etta James, Buddy wow. Holly, Chuck Berry, Elton John, Nirvana, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, R.E.M., Eminem, Nine Inch Nails, Janet Jackson, The Roots, and many other artists. Why? How do they not have them in a safe? Well, the fire was widely reported in 2008, but at that time, Universal Music Group downplayed the amount of damage to the label's archives, emphasizing instead its digitizing efforts. Uh, described as the biggest disaster in the history of the music business, the Times referenced a UMG internal document from 2009 which estimated master tapes of 500,000 songs were lost Holy to the fire. As the Times notes, the master tapes are the original audio tape recordings from recording sessions used to produce all subsequent copies. Irreplaceable when it comes to capturing the actual sonic fidelity of the initial recording. Why would they downplay it? Why? What am I missing here? Yeah, well, probably so that future releases still sell and they're not worried about the, oh, where see. they came okay. from. A lot of people are very picky about I what gotcha. they buy. Yep. Uh, several artists have responded to the Times story, including R.E.M. Hole and The Roots Questlove. R.E.M. tweeting, we're trying to get good information to find out exactly what happened and the effect on our band's music. If any, we will detail that further as and when So instead, Ruck, they're just doing karaoke versions. Okay, yeah. You know, and then they'll just roll that out there. <laughs> well, that was uh, in the, what, 80s, I guess. They would use tapes that weren't from master copies to make new new versions of albums. Isn't that highly it's, illegal? It's not illegal, no, but it's it, the fidelity of the music sure. def- okay, definitely but so suffers. That's, so the, the people that really would be upset by that are almost purists, but Louis Armstrong singing Wonderful World has... It's still out It's there. still you out can there. Still oh, hear, yeah. Oh, you, well, yeah, you'll, you, you can hear copies, sure, okay. certainly. Yeah, you just wouldn't find the... Uh, 
the original. Say, will you join over 5,000 motorcycle riders along with thousands of other people Saturday, June 22nd, Anoka County Airport. It's the 14th annual Dennis Kirk Patriot Ride. Special tribute to be paid to military personnel and law enforcement officers. Money will be raised for nonprofit causes that support them. You don't need a bike to participate. The non-riding public is strongly encouraged to come out and show their support. The 2019 Patriot Ride will be everything it has been and much more. A T6 Thunder Air Show, Honor Bird Flyover, Vikings Cheerleaders, a Garage Build Bike Show, Combat Vet Show of Strength, Vintage Warplanes, Live Music, and more than 100 vendors. How about this? Are you going to get some of this? Well, you can leave that running. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> be there at 4 p.m. for a chance to win over 10 grand in door prizes and buy a $10 raffle ticket and win a 2019 Harley Road Glide to be given away the day of the ride, and then DennisKirk.com will take care of you with that bike. There is so much the uh, to the Patriot Ride that you should go to the website and take it all in. Patriot Ride, one word, PatriotRide.org. That's PatriotRide.org, Saturday, June 22nd at the Anoka County Airport. Uh, not good for job security. A local Illinois weatherman criticized his own news station's code red weather alerts. I saw this. Saying the alert doesn't recognize that not all storms are created equal and that the alerts are forced upon him by a, quote, corporate initiative. And he said all of this will live on the air. <laughs> he, uh... He got fired for pushing back. Joe Crane, a meteorologist for WICS in Springfield, Illinois, said, We want you to know it's not us. This is a corporate initiative. The code red alert and behind the scenes, many of us have tried to dissuade it for the last few months to try something else that's less controversial to the viewers. It's just Sinclair Broadcasting. Um, I believe it is. Is it? Mm-hmm. I ain't working for this. Yep, Sinclair. It, it is Sinclair, yeah. yes. Mm. Crane hasn't appeared on air since, and his job, it looks like, uh, well, maybe gone. Is he the Thundersnow guy? Wasn't that Crane? Was no. It? No, you're thinking of a weather channel. <laughs> oh, is that what I'm thinking of? Okay. Crane has worked at WICS since 2004. His profile page on their website removed right after his commentary was broadcast. Hmm. Uh, Crane declined to comment on his employment status, and WICS did not respond to requests for comment. And its owner, Sinclair, did not respond to CNN's, requ- CNN's request it for comment. kind of sounds like they were justified in letting him go, doesn't it? No? Okay. <laughs> if you say so. Sure. Yeah, I think they were. Okay. He violated the, uh, the policy. <laughs> That's well. Hey, he took that rule. I, we may agree with him, but I think they were justified. Yeah, probably. Yeah. You probably don't want to do that. Like I said, not good no, for jobs. Probably security. a memo. Right. Probably a memo. NASA Administrator Jim I'm Rock- the kind of guy, Kenny, I just don't like to ruffle feathers with uh, <laughs> management. Yeah. Sometimes I do by accident. NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine claims nothing has changed after President Trump seemed to question the space agency's plans to return humans to the moon in a tweet last week. While speaking at NASA's Glenn Research Center, Bridenstine argued that the moon is still a valuable proving ground for the eventual goal of getting to Mars, which is what the president was trying to say, he says. Bridenstine said some people have tried to read more into this than there is, but here's the thing. We're going to Mars. The moon is a waypoint. We need to learn how to live and work on another world. Who's saying this? This is Bridenstine, the fellow from NASA. I see. On Friday afternoon, the president caused some confusion when he tweeted, NASA should not be talking about going to the moon since the agency landed humans on the lunar surface 50 years ago. Instead, the president said they should be focused on the much bigger things we are doing, defense and science. After a few hours, the tweet threw the space world into a slight panic since it was the White House that had been pushing NASA to send humans back to the moon for the last two years. 
The very first space policy directive that the president signed in December 2017 called on NASA to put humans on the lunar surface again. In May, Trump asked Congress for an additional $1.6 billion for NASA on top of his annual budget request for Do you think, Joe, their desire to go back to the moon is actually their desire to go to the moon for the first time? No, I, I've never bought the soundstage uh, conspiracy theory. Never bought it. Recently, I saw a conspiracy theory that I'd been touting for many years um, that we just didn't have the technology to get there then. And if you compare, when was it? Wait, wait, wait. Before you shake me off, it was 69, right? That's right, Kenny. July of 1969. Have you ever looked at a snowmobile from 1969 yes. or a dirt bike yes. from 69? Yeah. Absolute junk crap. Well, you didn't go to the moon on a dirt bike. Well, you <laughs> we didn't go to the moon on a snowmobile. A tractor from 69. Garbage. You had jet engines and rockets in 69. You know the cliche, though. This computer in front of me has more computing power than they had on the Apollo spacecraft. But, but I'm not with Kenny's conspiracy theory. I'm, I know they well, went there. Well, this is a guy who thinks humans are a, 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 a Petri dish experiment right. by aliens. That's and right. they're, they're toying with us and terribly amused by us. I actually do believe we were on the moon. I, I just, I like, you know. Hey, y'all. <laughs> Sometimes I. Here's Kenny. Sometimes I. Just take my uh, hillbilly pitchfork and give you a yeah. couple jabs. I'm glad, I'm glad to see you doing just, that to somebody else and not to All y'all idiots. <laughs> just to see what happens. Glad to see that happen. So you don't, y- y'all don't have to send me an email or an angry tweet. Well, when we come back, I'm going to take you to the salon out in the state of Washington. Don't miss MSRA's Back of the 50s weekend at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, June 21st through the 23rd. Shop the Twin Cities Classic Car Auction on Saturday to find your dream machine. Discount tickets at Napa Auto Parts. CMSRA.com for details. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Say, back in 2015, there was a horrific uh, quadruple homicide incident at a, uh, very, in a very wealthy neighborhood of Washington, D.C., right behind Embassy Row. Mm-hmm. And uh, the entire uh, Savapoulos family, uh, Savas, Amy, their son Philip, as well as their housekeeper, were, were wiped out in the home. And uh, the perpetrators got 40 grand. I mean, that was what it was about. But it shook, it shook the eastern seaboard, if not the entire country. And WTOP in Washington, our sister station or our affiliate, right. uh, has done a podcast about it called 22 Hours. And we're going to be talking to the producers of that podcast tomorrow on oh. tomorrow's GL show. Nationally, uh, that's very, it's very popular and very timely. It's getting a lot of uh, publicity right now. And I... I haven't listened to the podcast yet, so I can't I believe wait to. the podcast itself was launched Monday, yesterday, or right. uh, Monday, I'm I think. i listen to it then. Say, uh, the lead editorial in today's Star Tribune is uh, uh, called Omar's Credibility Takes Another Hit. And uh, it, this is the best you're going to get out of that newspaper in terms of being critical of her. And and they were in this editorial. Uh, this, this, But it was... You can tell that the the kid gloves were were right next to the keyboard. <laughs> okay. We're right next to the keyboard, yeah. but and yet it's it's a good piece. Uh, Is this an update? 
Yeah, why not? Here is your latest Ilhan Omar report on Garage Logic. U.S. Representative Ilhan Omar is back in the news again, and not in a good way. The former state representative who won a seat in Congress last fall continues to be dogged by past missteps. Okay, I, I would have written it differently. Uh, the fact that she so? <laughs> the fact that she continues to be dogged by dogged by past missteps make it sound like she's uh, she's been victimized. Mm-hmm. She's been burdened by this. Mm-hmm. This is uh, an inconvenient. Uh, failure of her uh, staff, and she's suffering the consequences of it. Right. But again, uh, they went on to say, uh, you know, clean up your act, honey. Clean up your act. you got to follow the rules. Who's, you think her constituents are going to read this? No. <laughs> um. Windmilling and back to the salon. This is a beauty. All over the world. Oh, no. <laughs> what is this? All over the world, where the cities competed to have chief resiliency offices, mm-hmm. Paris, New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Minneapolis, St. Paul, they're getting windmilled by the dangers of the electric scooters causing more injuries and <laughs> fatalities. Ooh. People are getting run over by them. Uh... Paris is banned. <laughs> Paris is head fed up with thousands of scooters flooding Paris streets. Mayor Anne Hidalgo announced new regulations limiting the number of scooter operators and imposing a five mile per hour speed limit in areas with heavy foot traffic. The city has already imposed a hundred and fifty dollar fine on anyone who rides scooters on the sidewalks. I've seen that happening all over here. Right. Oh yeah. And I see them Without dumped it. everywhere. Right. Yep. I guess that's Lime's problem or Bird or whoever owns them. Right. They yeah. got to. They send. Don't they send out the posse hunters at night to bring them back to the garage? Yes. Then, Charge them up. Remember the one guy burned his house down or burned <laughs> yeah. the garage yeah. down? There was one that sat underneath uh, the Lake Street Bridge. You guys call it the Marshall Street Bridge, but yeah. it was on the St. Paul. Sat under that bridge for about three days straight. <laughs> oh, Isabel Alberton, a pianist at Paris's famed Opera Garnier, suffered a double fracture of her right arm after Ooh. she was run down by an electric scooter on May 17. She is suing the city and has started an organization to push for a ban. See, this will shake the salon. Mm-hmm. The salon doesn't want you in a car. They prefer you have. They prefer that you be a walkability activist. Yes. Right. But short of being a walkability activist, <laughs> that puts you on a, on electric scooter. Mm-hmm. And now you have. Uh, and uh, now you have uh, cities with chief resilience officers who don't know what to do because uh, the scooters are uh, killing people and mowing them down and breaking the arms of famed pianists and violinists. So what the hell are we going to do? This would try your resilience. It really would. Bird and Lime both recommend that riders wear helmets and go. They go on and on and on. Well, whatever. Uh, don't say. We didn't tell you. I so. have a question, and not that I would advocate doing this. I just—it's just a question I want to throw out there. I—I I was walking downtown over the weekend, and I, you see these lime. These Are you little, a walkability activist? I'm not quite there yet, but <laughs> I'm right. on my way. Right. But you see these tiny little lime scooters everywhere. Yeah. They're on the—they're on the sidewalks. Right. People literally just leave them in the middle of the street. Right. What mm-hmm. if we just started throwing them away? Well, they well I think you'd be in trouble for that. But I don't oh, think we can recommend. You, no, that. I think what you mean is why not throw them in the river. Oh, there I you don't go. think we should do that either. Okay, let me ask a question. I told you guys my famous story about that. No. A, a fellow who could, will continue to be renamed, be, he will... Yep. Okay. Are you using my mouth today? We know him. He will continue to remain nameless. Got it. A fellow I know was Scott. jogging. I've told you this story before, yeah. but it's my favorite story. He's jogging northbound on Mississippi River Boulevard. Yep. Okay. 
He gets near the Franklin Bridge. Okay. From behind, he hears a bicyclist say, get out of my way, get out of my way. And this fellow apparently didn't uh, get out of the way fast enough to accommodate the bicyclist. Okay. So the bicyclist gets off the bike and he confronts this guy. That wow. Was, that was mistake number one. I remember, wow. I remember this. Because this fellow, let's put it this way, uh, he can take care of himself. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So, so it's not Bobby Moeller. Okay. No, it's not Bobby Moeller. <laughs> so he said to the bicyclist who was threatening him, he said, you really might not want to go a step further. Yeah. And the bicyclist continued to act like a complete moron. So with one hand, this guy pushed the bicyclist out of the way, picked up the guy's bike, and heaved it over the edge of the cliff as <laughs> oh far as it could. <laughs> wow. And then, and then all he heard was the clacking, the clicking of the guy's <laughs> bike <laughs> running, down the, running down the steps or whatever he had to go get his bike. Wow. <laughs> See, you, that, you know what that is? Pushing back. That's there right. He never laid a hand on no, a moron. No. You know, never laid a hand on And he on gave him. him fair warning. That's right. But you bring something up that's curious. There's a lot of hostility between bicycle riders and pedestrians oh, and yeah. rollerbladers and bicycle riders against other bicycle riders. I'm more Italian than you are with all my guys. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, but my the, guy had no hostility. Right. He's he was an just, innocent jogger. He was jogging. Yeah, he was jogging. <laughs> it's a soft jam. I'm up for jogging. Right. <laughs> but it's, it, Kenny, it's it's almost a turf war thing. It is. That's exactly what it is. On your left! Right. Yeah. It's like, ah! <laughs> okay, thank you. A city councilman in Washington State says he wants to create a day to recognize people who choose not to have children. <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> It's called oh. I Didn't Reproduce Day. The proposed day just happened to be also on Father's Day. Some of his fellow council members called it insensitive. No, it's not insensitive. It's, just, it's idiotic. It's dumb. Uh, Bainbridge City Councilman Ron Peltier made the proposal at a council meeting last week. Peltier reportedly picked the third Sunday in June to recognize I Didn't Reproduce Day. Hey, we're all there too. This idiot, <laughs> this idiot couldn't I got a even. Month in. This idiot couldn't even look at a calendar. <laughs> at the council meeting, Peltier read a message he received asking if his proposal was a joke. It is not a joke, Peltier said. I'm dead serious. Peltier said overpopulation and environmental issues are driving his proposal to recognize people who choose not to procreate. In an interview with the uh, with Kits with the Kitsap Sun, Peltier said his goal was not to disparage people who choose to have children, but to recognize those those who deceit who decide not to Ooh. everyone wants to have children and grandkids I understand that we hope our son someday has a grandchild for us well how how, how I almost said oh I almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah I got you uh, but more than that we care about the future of the planet Peltier told the what? newspaper yeah. oh is that why oh I'll bleep this guy John, you kidding me? We're all weeks into that same process. Uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I didn't know that's what I was celebrating. You kidding me? <laughs> weeks. Weeks. More children, the better, and they all love to swim at this time of year on your beachfront or in your pond. A pond would be good for yeah, you. Yeah, but what if I got weeds? You don't have to have weeds because they're the product called Aquaside. They'll take care of it. If you own a lake home or if you have a pond on your property. I'm just seeing cows at that pond. Are we sure we're going to swim in the pond? Yeah, if well, you want to, Aquacide will take care of it. Get rid of the weeds first. They've been helping people maintain Great Lakes shores for more than 60 years with a complete line of lake and pond control products that will take care of everything from weeds to algae. 
Aquaside products are easy to use. They work right away. They're registered with the EPA and DNR because they're safe for you, the fish, the water, your family. You know when you're water skiing and you drop that one ski because you want to slalom? Then you can never find it again because of all the weeds. Because it's in the weeds, weeds. Yeah. 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 That's a perfect yeah. solution. Yeah, but you don't have to. You're not responsible for the middle of the lake. You know no, what? I, this will take care of your beach. I, I, that's what right I'm here. worried about the most is my beach. So the kid, you my know, cabin. He, so the kid goes underwater. He doesn't come up like the creature from the lost exactly. lagoon. Exactly. You know. <laughs> that was a scary. You know, that that creature that really wasn't that. Sh- yeah, stuff I, hanging on. He you. wasn't really that scary. He just looked like a fish guy. Call fish Aquaside guy. today. They'll help you identify your weed problem and make sure your place looks great all summer long. Call Aquaside at one eight hundred three two eight ninety three fifty. That's one eight hundred three two eight ninety three fifty. Or go to Aquaside.com. Easy to order online. Normally ships the same day, and that those products start getting uh, effective immediately. Immediately. Such I when I went through the paper today, I saw the uh, op-ed section and I saw the Omar credibility takes another hit headline mm-hmm. and I figured they were going to be apologizing for her so I didn't even bother reading it. No, I And I, now I've read it it's, and it's, it's as good as you're going to get from them. It's pretty good. It's I'm, as good as you're going to get I because am, she's uh, part of their agenda, she's part of their paradigm. She is a, a woman of color, an immigrant, a Muslim, yeah. uh, a first timer, a uh, fresh face. She's and they're, she, they're calling her on everything. Yeah, they are. It, and it, and it's certainly not strongly worded, but it's worded. And that's as strong as you're going to get from that newspaper. Well, it's a start, anyway. That's as strong as you're going to get. I don't even consider that to be uh, to be pushback. Say, GLers, uh, Jordy sent me this. Here is a lawnmower that does zero to a hundred in six point three seconds. Holy cow! And only Jordy would have remembered this. If only Alvin Strait would have had this one. Look at, at look at Alvin Strait fall on deaf ears, except everybody, except me and Rook. I'm already looking for no idea. Uh, yeah. no I idea. can't there's remember. There's a statue. Oh, the guys. There's a statue of Alvin Strait in downtown Garage yes. Logic. Alvin Strait's the old timer who rode from his yeah. house in Iowa oh, to see his brother yes. in Wisconsin on a 1966 John Deere lawn tractor. Because yes. he hadn't seen his brother. They had a falling out how many decades. We right. even, Garage Logic even hosted the movie. We yes, were, yeah, we remember? were the premiere here yeah, in the we, city. we did the premiere. Uh, what was it called, the movie? Uh, it was the Alvin, the Alvin Strait, Strait story. story. The yeah. Alvin Strait story. There's a commemorative uh, big bronze statue of Alvin on his John Deere in downtown Garage Logic. I see. Yeah. But see? That was sh- before my time. I know. The show's been around <laughs> wow. a while. As soon as you said it, I knew. Honda just nabbed itself a Guinness World Record with its latest Mean More, which uses a 200-horsepower, 999cc four-cylinder engine from the company's CBR1000RR motorcycle, Jeez. it is officially the fastest lawnmower from 0 to 100. Uh, you know why Honda does this? Because they can. Yeah, promotion. Absolutely. Uh, w Series driver Jess Hawkins set the record last month at the Lostring in Germany, with a two-way average of 6.29 seconds, that makes the Mean More V2 faster to 100 than an Audi R8. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. And faster than an Aston Martin DBS Super Legera or a Ferrari Portofino. And none of those cars can cut grass. It'd be fun to put it up against a CBR1000. Mm-hmm. It's a... Because it's the same motor. It'd be, it's, it'd be it's, fun to see It's it by no again. stretch of the imagination a lawnmower. Right. It, it looks like a racing car. 
Right. But Honda, you know, Honda does some weird things. I used to have a Honda GB500, a single-cylinder cafe racer that Honda made uh, only in 1990 and 91. Couldn't yeah. give them away. Right. Now they're highly sought after. Really? Yeah. You know why Honda made that motorcycle? Because they could. <laughs> why did Honda make the S2000 automobile? Which is now highly sought after. No Because idea. they felt like it. Huh. They could. Because they got so damn much money that they keep investing in uh, research and development. So good for them. I had a Honda sport bike, a 700, and I couldn't figure out why in the world did they make a 700 when everybody else was making a 750. Turns out it was a tariff beater. Uh, they put tariffs in uh, at the urging of Harley, so anything under 750, there were over something. And anyway, they sold a bunch of these things. I really hated it. John, when we come back, will you give us your final news item? Certainly. All right, we'll be back. It's summertime, GLers. Time to hit the lake on your brand new BRP Sea-Doo personal watercraft. Towsley Motorsports would like to introduce the new Sea-Doo Fish Pro for 2019. So cool. The world's first watercraft built for fishing. The first personal watercraft with a trolling mode, a revolutionary stabilized hull, lots of storage, seating for up to three people, and so much more. Along with the Sea-Doo Fish Pro, Towsley Motorsports has watercraft for all kinds of lake goers. From the Sea-Doo Spark Tricks to the ever-popular GTI 90, BRP Sea-Doo Watercraft, perfect for everything from a short rip around the lake to a full day of family fun. Towsley Motorsports is conveniently located in White Bear Lake on the corner of County E and Highway 61. Towsley Motorsports, selling fun since 71. That his cylinder index or his golf score. Ooh. Either way, it's a big number. Here's Joe Suchere. What do you got for us, John? I know you didn't want us to leave until you told us this. Uh, well, I, uh, before I do that, I, this the story about the master tapes that burned. Yeah. I just went and read the whole thing in the New York Times. That's why I probably didn't say much the last yeah, time. Yeah, you were kind of checked out. Like, it's Steely Dan masters. Burned. Oh, that'll affect you. Oh, oh, the man. Dan? John Coltrane masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the chess stuff, the Muddy Waters, Howlin' Wolf, Chuck Berry, all those. Wow. I mean, just, and uh, hundreds others, but... Not a good thing. Why wouldn't, if you were a member of REM, Michael Stipe, why at the end of the day wouldn't you have taken it home with you? Well, they, uh, well, that's it's owned by the, isn't it owned by the... That's Rick? addressed in the story, actually. Oh. Uh, sometimes they pay for storage. They mm-hmm. will pay UMG, Universal Music, oh. to yeah. store the master's form, which in this case didn't really work So there was a lot well. of artist, artistry that went up in smoke. Yes, yes, a lot of... Uh, I mean... But you can still hear everything that John Coltrane did that was destroyed in the fire. You can, You're just not going to hear the, the original. Well, it, not everything, because as it points out here, there are outtakes. Yeah. Uh, there are all, and that's big business now. You know, you'll buy a, a say a, a Steely Dan album yeah. where that has an outtake that you've never heard before. Those are gone. Okay. Any chatter, which is also big business now yeah. on, on CDs, is gone. Any chatter between cuts when you're in the studio with Ooh. the tape rolling, wow. all that kind of thing gone. Music so. question, John: Who owns the actual rights? Is it the artist, it or de- would it, it be the label? On, depends on what you've negotiated. Some some artists own their own masters. Remember Prince? That's yep. what his big argument with Warner Brothers was, yep. and why he started wearing the thing and called himself. 
yourself uh, whatever symbol. Call yourself, the symbol. The symbol, yeah. Uh, so it just depends on the artist. It's, you uh, guys it's, know the famous Paul Westerberg story, right? He mm-hmm. snuck into Twin Town, grabbed a bunch of tapes, tossed them all in the river, master tapes. Of his and, stuff. Wow. Yeah, and backup stuff, yeah, stuff that he didn't like. Why? <laughs> he's, he's not rolling with a two well, hours. Well, he, he admits yeah. as much. Right. <laughs> he admits. Was it much. he? Wh- wh- why, Kenny? What was it? Why did he do that? He just didn't like him. Uh, oh. you know, he, and he didn't want him out there. You know what yeah, it was? And he didn't want him out there. It around. was all for nothing. <laughs> Very clever, Jim. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> all for nothing. Yeah. What do you yeah. got, Johnny? Well, let's go with. Uh, how about Minnesota? Good news. Saw its lowest total of fire deaths last year since 2009. Only 37 people. I shouldn't say only 37 people died in fires. That's the second lowest total in, on record and the lowest since 2009 when 35 people were killed in fires. An anti-government waste group has identified millions of taxpayer dollars allegedly frittered away on, quote, absurd nature-related earmarks, including $9 million to quarantine fruit flies and $13.8 million to manage wild horses. Those revelations are inside the 2019 Congressional Pig Book, released Wednesday by Citizens Against Government Waste. That report identifies what it describes as egregious examples of pork barrel spending in Congress drawn from fiscal 2019 appropriation bills. This year, the group said it identified $15.3 billion, wow. that's with a B, dollars in earmarks, an increase of 4.1% from the $14.7 billion last year. Tom Schatz is the president of Citizens Against Government Waste. He said in a statement, pushing pork does not drain the swamp and it won't restore integrity. Do you know Washington. what this uh, country's outstanding debt is at the moment? Hmm. $22.02 trillion. What? Wow. How many Why are... <laughs> Why aren't people in positions of power worried about that? I'm worried about I, it. I am. Something, some kind of something has to hit the fan right. at some point. Yeah. $22 trillion. How come we're not flat broke? Because the debt as a percentage of GDP, I guess, is not significant enough for people to get alarmed by. You know what we need? Another resiliency officer to monitor right, this. Right, that'll get her done. <laughs> Isn't that's a good point? I need. There was nothing in the job description for a chief resilience officer to worry about whether a city has got any mm-hmm. fiduciary responsibility. Nope. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah, wouldn't that be? You want to be resilient? Oh. How about be debt free and save your taxpayers' money? That's I w- resilient. I would be the biggest supporter of the Me resiliency too. office. It's all made up BS. You know, you people are making my Grunhofer spots too easy. <laughs> Not you people, as I look at you people. I mean you people in the listening world. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> All hail the flashlight king. Hail, hail you. you. I wrote two weeks ago asking you to not wish my wife, Sue, a happy birthday. You nicely kept your tradition and didn't wish her a happy birthday. Right. We pointed out the non-wish podcast to our children, and they listened. Our Minnetonka-based daughter, Anne, started to wonder why all the fuss over Grundhoffers. So before coming back to Nebraska this weekend for an early Father's Day, she hustled up to Hugo, and with the help of the friendly staff, she selected a large variety of brats to bring to us. Tater, egg roll, load of baked potato, cheese curd, chicken Damn. parmesan, and regular. Yeah! The six of us had a mini-tournament on Saturday night and declared cheese curd the winner by consensus. But Mm -hmm. all of them were delicious. Sue and I had them again Tuesday and then tonight. 
Eventually, we'll run out and need to head to Hugo ourselves. <laughs> the one regret we have is if you keep reading my emails on the podcast, our Minnesota family members will know they are no longer the primary reason why we come home to Minnesota. <laughs> because we have been out of state for 15 years, we have been listening via podcast for quite a while, but enjoy the new format better than ever, the radio version, better than the radio version. P.S. If Grunhoffers would consider mail order, we could save some money on gas. We could also start sending Grunhoffers brats as a gift to our friends around the country. Grunhoffers is in uh, Hugo. It's in the north end of Hugo, right on Highway 61, immediately it. east of Highway 61. Great varieties of chicken brats, uh, Swedish potato sausage, chicken and beef kebabs, fully cooked ring sausage, kielbasa, kielbasa andouille, ring bologna, blood sausage, country sausage, 130 pork brat flavors. These are professional meat cutters. He's tough to get a word in on these spots. What know. do you want to know? I want them to look for the Rookie Burger mix. That's their, they're great. Right. Oh, Just the look for the Rookie Burger, burger Is that mix. still being featured? I believe so. If not, you ask for it, they'll make it for Hickory you. Hickory smoked salmon, pastrami made in-house, beef gr- briskets, and beef tri-tip roasts. Yes. Some people are going to have them a big-time Father's Day cookout. Yeah, and there's a word that uh, some mules are heading up there for us tomorrow. Okay. From so this bring some cash station, tomorrow. So bring some cash. Say, uh, Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats dot Com. Did you just tell me to bring some cash? I was telling you to bring some <laughs> yeah. cash. And remember, tomorrow we're going to have uh, our friends on from WTOP who want to uh, tell us about a new podcast that's available uh, uh, called 22 Hours. And uh, that was a, a, an event that uh, really shook up that town. And ex- T-O- oh, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. TOP is the probably the best news station in the country. Mm-hmm. Well, which leads me to I can't wait to have them on the air so I can tell them about the table talk with Rookie's Jeez. family oh. and the brand new episode that was just published. Will you do on me a Monday. favor and a- ask them if they need a traffic reporter? <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> tell them I, w- I was the best traffic reporter. Can you see Kenny living in Washington, D.C.? God, no, traffic no, reporter. No, You'd God. kill yourself. No. <laughs> It'd be a long drive back to the farm yeah. from there. If he got oh, to do the traffic in D.C. from Alexandria, yeah. he'd be your guy. <laughs> Last time I was in D.C., we drove in from Virginia, and I think we were there 10 minutes, and I looked at the bride and said, should we go to Gettysburg? And she let's go! <laughs> let's go! <laughs> we think of the Capitol. Okay, it's good. I always like going to see George Washington's wooden teeth. <laughs> I've never. Oh, I've only oh, been there right once. There. Ah, with, I like that. Are they at the Smithsonian or yeah, what? His house. There. Oh, his house. Or who was okay. Mount Vernon? Was that Jefferson? <laughs> that was Jefferson. Was one of these guys. You can find Mount them. Mount Vernon all was out Jefferson, there. I think. So, Monticello was. That was Jefferson. That Jefferson. was Jefferson. Brooke, yeah. tell us, uh, and maybe the mayor can chime in too, about your guys' uh, expedition to, to visit the White House the time you were in Washington, D.C. Uh, we had a good time. It was great. But it was, uh, we had some. But you were supposed to take notes. Uh, no, that was the Smith. That was when the Smithsonian was, was here. Oh, I thought the that was DC. And he said, "Let's Top let's, hat. let's really hat. take some notes here on everything we see." And the first thing we saw was Abraham Lincoln's top hat, and I I wrote that down. And then we're looking at you know rocks from the moon. So four hours later, I say to him, "Give me your sheet. I got your notes. <laughs> top hat." <laughs> The only thing on it. I got a little sidetracked. <laughs> only thing side. on it. It was uh, top hat. Why? Why didn't? Why didn't I know that? <laughs> yeah, that's top just hat. as good as measuring his head. That's yeah. a, that's just top as good. Is. <laughs> a little distracted. I'm yeah. going. Goodbye. Do you remember right. when we went to? Well, we'll play the White House one another time. We had a, our visit to the White House didn't end as as well as we wanted to. <laughs> All right, no more messing around. I want you to go see Greg Holcomb's latest creation, a wonderful cartoon having to do with the doorbell 
at garagelogic.com. You click on the features icon. It's a drop down, and you can see all of his previous cartoons, which really, truly capture Garage Logic. Also, you can find many of the podcasts that we have and listen to them while you do that. You can rate us on Apple, iTunes, good, bad, or indifferent. That's all found at garagelogic.com. Spencer Grunhofer is very pleased with the results of the Garage Logic sponsorship. If you would like to be like Spencer, be an advertiser, we welcome you. Get a hold of us, rookie or GL Joe at garagelogic.com. Garage Logic podcast version, and yes, Table Talk with Rookie's Family is a real podcast. Check it out when you're all caught up on Garage Logic. We'll catch you next time.